0: Welcome to the Highland Southern Baptist Podcast. Each week, Keith Perrin will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message. If you have a Bible, you can read along with us. Our mission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ from Hillsboro, Missouri, to the rest of the world. Now, here's Pastor Keith. Give you a little bit of a <clears throat> background, just a little bit. Hopefully, it won't take me too long. But I got a couple of extra minutes today, so I'm happy about that. Um, This chapter all started when Jesus and some disciples were leaving the the temple, and one of the disciples had pointed out how beautiful all the buildings were. And Jesus' response is, I believe that disciple was probably looking for Jesus to concur, and Jesus said that the day is coming when not one stone will be left upon another. So we're not talking about a roof falling in, we're not talking about a wall falling in, we're talking about the temple being completely and totally decimated. Uh, of course, we know, not in Jesus' lifetime, but in many of the disciples and apostles' lifetime, the temple was destroyed. Um, <clears throat> although I can tell you I believe that is a foreshadowing of what what is to come, there's also a lot of evidence in this passage of Scripture that Jesus is talking about something much further in the future as well. Um, so I've mentioned, I mentioned last week, I think, one of the big markers, something for you to watch for, watch for the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. Again... That doesn't mean that, that it started, but we know that that is one major event that has to occur in order for um, the uh, tribulation to start. Um, and if the temple, when the temple gets rebuilt, if it gets rebuilt in my lifetime, it will make me sit up a little straighter and pay a little closer attention to the things that are going on around, around us. Uh, Jesus describes the, the events that would follow after that would be a tribulation like never was and like never will be again. So, again, he was separating. Um, We had somebody who dropped in last Sunday night and uh, was talking about he thought that all of these things had already happened that it spoke of in these passages of Scripture. Although those things have happened, we've seen earthquakes that have happened in different areas, parts of the earth. We have seen wars. We have seen rumors of wars. We have seen famines. Um, We have seen those things, but this is not the type of famine That we've seen as of yet. Not the type of wars and rumors of wars that we have seen as of yet. Not the type of earthquakes that we've seen as of yet. Um, This will be a biblical event. By biblical event, I mean earthquakes happening at the same time in many different locations on the earth. The entire planet being shaken by these earthquakes. Famine, not just in Africa. Famine... Global famine, wars, the entire planet's at war. Not a whole bunch of countries against one country, but a whole bunch of countries against each other. Where there is no, where there is no wars, <clears throat> there will be talk of wars. So we're talking complete and total chaos. It says it'll be a time for believers where they will be persecuted. It'll be a time um, where uh, Christians will be delivered to the courts. It'll be a time where brothers will give up brothers, where fathers will give up sons. It will be a, a time unlike any time we've ever seen before and unlike any time that will ever be repeated in the future. This is the Great Tribulation. Now, I mentioned to you before, <clears throat> some people think I'm very anti-Southern Baptist because I'm a mid-trib believer. I believe the Christian will live through three and a half years of the tribulation. I believe that the evidence exists that says that the church, hillbilly logic is part of it. How can the church be tried if the church isn't here? Tribulation is tribulation because the church is being tried. Um, It will be an event that individuals will put in one of those two categories, believable, I refuse to believe. This passage of Scripture carries a lot of the same weight that the book of Revelation does. The conclusion, Ms. Joyce? Be ready. Be ready. One of my biggest fears is that the church will not be ready. And the only way that it will not be ready is, one, if it's complacent, if it's happy where it's at, and it refuses to move any further forward than it is. Two, willful ignorance. Refuses to believe the things that the Bible tells us. In no place in history has God ever lied. If Jesus Christ took the time during his uh, ministry in three and a half years in his life to write these things to us, he wanted us to know these things so that we are aware of what was coming. He said so much himself. He has told us everything. We are the ones who are responsible if we don't take this seriously. One of the reasons, one of some that I've already pointed out, the time, times, and a half a time, the time of um, the number of days that it mentions in the book of Revelation in Daniel, the term of 42 months that it mentions in the book of Revelation, all of those things equal up to three and a half years. Again, like I said last week, it's called the seven-year tribulation. But last week, it was also pointed out that the time would be shortened for those who are the chosen. It would be shortened for those who are believers. That time would not be a span of seven years. And I want you to look closely at this next verse, verse 24. But in those days... After that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers that are in in the heavens will be shaken. Before we go any further, how many of you have seen a comet? See a falling star? Meteor shower? It's not what it's talking about. I mean, what has to happen in order for the sun to be darkened. Well, some people have speculated that it's eclipse. But it also says the moon will not give its light. Everything's short-circuiting, folks. That's what this is. Everything in heaven begins to short-circuit. The sun no longer is the sun. The moon no longer is the moon. Things are beginning to degrade. It says that the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Planets will be knocked out of line. Stars will be moved out of their place. Things are going to go haywire when it comes to the universe. Which is again... Something else for us to watch for, but I want to point out 24 before we read 26. He says, But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will be falling from the heaven, and the powers that are in heaven will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send forth the angels and will gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of heaven. those days after this tribulation, after that tribulation. That tribulation specifies that to a specific event that happens, this great tribulation. After that tribulation, everything in the heavens is going to go haywire, and then we will see Jesus in the clouds. Have you ever been sick? I can relate this because of my migraines. Have you ever been really not not like contagious sick, but sick and and have to go and do something. How relieved are you when it's time to go home? Now, I want you to imagine in this particular context, those people who don't lose their life, and there will be many who lose their life in this three and a half year period. Those who do not lose their life are going to have literally experienced hell on earth because everything that is fallen everything that is contrary to god is going to turn on everything that is godly creation itself is of the fallen nature the human nature is of the fallen nature we may experience things beyond our wildest imaginations When you see the sun darken and the moon lose its light, will it scare you? I mean, under normal circumstances it would, right? But now you know. When the sun's darkened and the moon loses its light and the heavens are shaken and all of the planetary bodies are moved out of their place, as believers, what do we know is next? We see Jesus in the clouds. And he's going to give the command to those angels, and those angels are going to move across the earth from the furthest points of the earth, the furthest points of the heaven, and he's going to gather up his elect. This, folks, is the rapture. This marks the beginning of eternity for every one of us. And I want to stop here and put something into context for you. For how many of you has life been hard? To some extent, just about all of us in here could say we've had, we've faced some pretty big struggles, some difficulties, some trials. Been through some things that wasn't so good on our bodies, right? We've struggled with sin. We've struggled with sickness. We've struggled with the effects of that sin and sickness on others. It's affected who we love, how we love, it's affected our emotional state. It's affected who we are as individuals in every fiber of our being. We tend to look at life as human beings as if this is what we desire. Ask most people, do you fear death? Most people will say, yes, they do. Even my dad used to say, I want to go to heaven, but if you're selling tickets, I don't necessarily want to go today. Because we're attached. we're attached emotionally to our kids, our spouses, our grandkids. There's many things on this planet we're not attached to, but we do have those attachments to some things that we don't want to leave. But when you look at what we're really leaving, you ever been let down by a spouse? Ever been let down by a kid? Have been let down by a grandson? I believe that we fear eternity because we don't have the capabilities of fathoming it. That if we ever was given the capability of fathoming eternity, that we would do exactly what the Bible says we should do. We would be anxiously anticipating the fulfillment of God's promise. 32 years in ministry. And I won't get into any of the examples. I've done that before. I won't do it again. But I can tell you I've seen some atrocities that I never thought in my lifetime that I would ever see. Sickness. Sin. Emotional stresses. The effect that those things have on people. When I die, I want to go out like Elijah. ride a whirlwind of fire. As Rich Mullen said, when I look back on the stars, it'll be like candlelight in Central Park, and it won't break my heart to say goodbye. To imagine a place where sickness is not welcome, where death doesn't exist, where tears will be wiped from the eyes, never to be shed again, Or you'll never hunger. You'll never thirst. You'll never be alone. You'll never hurt. You will never be affected by any of those things. Nor will your loved ones. What would we miss? How many of you have loved ones that have passed on? I love those who passed on. If you had the chance to yank them out of heaven and bring them back here, how would they feel about that? You think they would choose this? There is no way that they would choose this over that. No way. A thousand times in 32 years, I've asked myself a question. Is this really worth it? And a thousand times, although sometimes it took me longer than others, I came back with the same answer. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Verse 28 says, now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. That verse confuses a lot of people. When it says this generation, it is not speaking about the generation that was alive then in the context of a genealogical generation. That word in the Hebrew means race. Got news for you, folks. We have been told by some who are in political power that if we don't get rid of cows, all of us are going to die in the next 12 years. Those cows, they give off methane. Methane's going to eat up the ozone, and we're all going to perish. Oh, that's true. Set your clocks. How many of you guys remember Y2K? Remember it? Oh, man, the computers are not going to know what to do. The world is going to fall into chaos at midnight in the year 2000. It came, it went. The world is all still here. There've been tribes in Mexico, ancient tribes. The professionals, they say that aliens visited them, told them that the world was going to come to an end in 2010, 2012. Because their clock stopped there. These are the people who spend an exorbitant amount of money to apparently go get more dumb. They don't have faith. I get it. COVID. Man, there are still people out there that say that is going to wipe out the human race. Is it going to wipe out the human race? I'm old enough to remember. You remember when climate change was called global warming? Now, let me preface this because this is going to be put on Facebook later, and I'm going to feel the thousand messages. Climate change is real, and it has been since the day that God created the earth. The climate changes. It does that. Do humans affect that? Possibly. On the scale other people believe that it does? I don't believe so. Are cows going to end the world? No. But you know why they changed the the climate change, right? Right? Because they got just how dumb it sounded when the year that they came out with global warming, the, final win- the, the, the following winter, we had the coldest winter in my lifetime. And they realized how dumb it sounded when people said, it's so cold out here, and somebody goes, it's global warming. Does that make any sense to any of you? Coldest winter in my lifetime. Global warming. They realized how dumb that sounded, so they had to redefine it. We have to call it climate change. Temperatures are rising. And I make a whole lot of tree huggers angry when I just point out to them that this, this earth is going to last just as long as God wants it to. I'm not saying we aren't responsible to not be litterers. We aren't responsible individuals to try to do what we can to be responsible with our resources. What I am saying is that this earth is not going to pass away and the human race is not going to pass away until God determines that it's time for the earth and its inhabitants to pass away. Don't buy the hype. The hype Politically pushes people. The hype is a form of money making. This is all about fear, folks. People want to scare you into getting rid of your cows. They want to scare you into not eating them anymore. Can you imagine life without ribeye? You know, this has continually told us through here to be ready. And don't be deceived. He says it again in a minute. Don't be deceived. If there is any point in time in our life that it's important for us to know the word of God and stand on the word of God, it is now. To trust in his promises. To seek out his purposes. We're going to get there in a minute. This is our responsibility. We can't be with everyone else when the world goes chaotic and loses its purpose of existence. And many of us in our life, we've been in those spots. We lose our purpose in existence. We get caught up in habits. We get caught up in the things that we want to satisfy ourselves. And those things are distractions. Are we alert when we're caught in those things? No. Are we even paying attention to our surroundings? No. I think, I don't know this because she's told me this, but I think that Diana's favorite time of the year is when the red buds bloom. It's the only thing I've really heard her talk a lot about, when, the, when those trees pop those really red or really white blooms. How many of you guys have noticed? Have you noticed? Springtime? Have you ever taken the time to smell the roses? Or has life become so chaotic that we forget to pay attention? In many cases, it becomes so chaotic for us that we forget to pay attention. Jesus Christ provided us everything we need, the peace that passes all understanding, so we could be people who are level-headed enough to pay attention to what is going on around us. He says in here, you even have the ability to determine when spring, summer, fall, winter hits. And he says here that he's given us these things for that same purpose. So don't disregard it. No. I don't know if you'll be able to mark it down to the day. As a matter of fact, I would probably be able to guarantee you that it won't. He'll point that out in a little bit too, that you won't be able to mark it down to a day. But folks, will be able to have an idea to know that it's coming. Because we'll see the evidence of it. Verse 31 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. What do we spend more of our time in our lives memorizing? paying attention to practicing do we memorize pay attention to and practice the things that are continuing to stay sustain us here on earth are those our priorities I'm not saying that we shouldn't do anything we want farmers to know how to farm we want um, we want ranchers to know how to raise cattle we want construction people to know how to build a house we want them to know them things But is that the most important thing to know? The biggest bill that we pay in most of our lives is a house payment. It's true. Is it a good investment? It is, right? As long as the planet's here. it will continue to be a good investment all the way up to the point that the earth burns or or yanked out i know people who believe the farmer's almanac more than they believe the bible i know for a fact that the human race is capable of believing anything that benefits them and disregarding anything that doesn't. I know this to be true just by the example that the church, the Big C Church, puts out to us every day. We have to be aware, folks, because the church is quickly becoming about you being happy now. You being blessed now. You having all of your desires fulfilled in your life now. People who want to convince you that being a Christian is the easy road. And they teach theology to back that up. And just as Jesus told the Pharisees, you convert one and you make them twice the son of hell that you are. That's what we're dealing with in this country, folks, and people doing it under the title and guise of church. If you wanted a synopsis of God's word, and I was to give you a true one, it is full of blessing. Amen. Full of love. Amen. It's also full of conviction, it's also full of wrath. It's also full of expectation. It's full of instruction. It's full of command. And if we're going to take the Bible as what God intended us to take it as, then we will take every part of it and leave no part of it unturned. When's the last time you opened your Bible? When's the last time you opened your Bible and asked God to pierce your heart? Show me my uncleanness. Convict me. Conform me to your image, no matter the cost. Scary things to pray. But you know what we've become okay with? The status quo. Being Christians... As close to we can at the level of mediocrity. Tending church an option. Hebrews ten, twenty three through twenty five completely disregarded. Go. Make disciples. Unless COVID hits. Does it say that? We have fallen for the biggest heretical trap in the history of the church. To think that your blessing and your happiness is your choice. To think that your blessing and your happiness. Is your responsibility. If you are the peace that passes all understanding, raise a hand and raise it proud because I want to see who you are. Because we aren't. And we don't obtain it. It comes from one place, and one place only. Christ. The houses we live in, the cars we drive, the income we take in, the health that we have, the health that we don't have, the hard times, the good times, all of those things belong to Christ. Because we belong to Christ. He never promised us, and as a matter of fact, he promised us the contrary. He never said that living this life as a Christian would be easy. He said things like, those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. He said things like, they will persecute you. They persecuted me first. Those are the things he said. There are way too many Christians who are calling them Christians who are living the good life. Because sin has taken up residence. Sin is not just doing what God told us not to. Sin is also not doing what God told us to. When's the last time you shared the gospel with someone? The first command, the sole purpose that Jesus came to this earth, lived the perfect life, and died on the cross was to save the souls of the lost. He chose to do that through his people being the mouthpiece for the gospel. And what have we done with it? It's okay for us, for the most part, to answer this unanimously. What have we done with it? Nothing. Nothing. I'm not throwing everybody under the bus, folks. Because I stand up here and tell you today that I'm guilty. I tell people about Jesus, and I'm guilty. because I don't tell near enough people about Jesus. We're human. We want to stay here, rake up all of the benefits and blessings that Christianity has to offer, but the second that Christianity asks asks something of us that costs us, what do we do? I don't have the money to give. This isn't about tithing. This is about the intention of an individual's heart. The obedience. What God asks versus what we want. Be honest. Sit down sometime. Write out finances. Every penny that you spend on everything that you spend it on. See if God gets 10%. See if he does. I mean, I tend to look at everything. So, you know, I mean, it's not even what comes to this church. I'm talking about things that are donated to his kingdom for his purpose to be fulfilled in the world we live in. Sit down sometime and just see exactly how much. Now, there are people who are faithful, and I'm here to tell you, God bless them. But I'm scared, folks. I shouldn't be, because I trust a big God. But I'm scared. You know why? Guess what age group supports 80% of a church's causes? People over the age of 50 support 80% of a church's budget. People aren't going to live forever. I'm not a genius, but I can do the math. What happens when those generations over the age of 50 pass on and the people who become those who are over the age of 50 hasn't learned how to be faithful yet? I'll tell you what's going to happen. We're going to figure out a new way to do church. Because we're not going to be able to pay the electric bill. When did, God, when did God's word become such a small thing in his church? When did reading it, seeking out its commands, and then blatantly rejecting it become a thing with his church? Because in my lifetime, it's always been a problem. But I can tell you, as I grow older, the problem gets bigger. Do I believe, given the evidence that I see in the world today, that if these things begin to unfold, that the church is going to fare well? No. No. You can't change that by yourself. But you can change that in the context that Jesus Christ created it. Is the church one? Or is it many? The church is a body of many that is made up of individuals. You show me a church full of individuals who are faithless, and I will show you a church that is fruitless. You show me a church that is filled with individuals who desire to know God, who desire to live out his passions. If that church is made up of those individuals, that's a church that will make it. If he doesn't come back for another 50 years, that's a church that will grow. Both in body and in spirit. He points that out a little bit farther down. 32 says, but of that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but the father alone. When Jesus Christ took on human form, he certainly kept some of his, some of his de- deity characteristics, but only those that the Father allowed him to have. He was still 100% human being. He bled when you stuck him. He hurt when you hit him. At the point in time that he was alive, he didn't even know when the return was going to happen. Those who work closest to him, the angels, they don't know when it's going to happen. So he says, as a result of that in 33, take heed, keep on the alert, for you do not know when the attended time is, the appointed time is. Keep on the alert. Honestly, before I started preaching these messages, How many of you are watching for the return of Jesus? I mean really watching for it. I'm not talking about thinking about it once in a while. I'm talking about watching for it. When you see the political atmosphere, when you see the global economy, when you see the choices that are being made, are you looking at those things in context of the return of Christ? Some are. Most aren't. They aren't. Be on the alert. He even gives us a little bit of an example here. It's like a man away on a journey, who upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his task, also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening, at midnight, at cock-crowing, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. Much of the church today, folks, is asleep. It's not on the alert. If I told you that sometime in the future, your house was going to flood and you was going to lose everything in it, what would you do? If you believed it, what would you do? Would you stay there? Or would that kind of information actually move you to action? And one, either preparing for it, or two, finding you a completely different place to live. Would it provoke you to action? Would you have a plan? Of course we would. If we knew that it was going to happen, we would have a plan. Many of us would act upon that plan immediately. How many of you guys have sentimental things in your house that can't be replaced? How far are you willing to go to save those things? It's okay. It's okay to answer that question because I understand it. How much of the church do you think actually realizes that time's running out? Again, I don't know if it's going to happen in my lifetime. I don't know if it's going to happen in 100 years. I don't know if God's going to let the earth go on for another 500 years. But here's what I can tell you. The clock is ticking. It is. What he said coming is coming. Just as well as I can say it may not happen in another hundred years, I also can't say that it won't happen next week. Can't say that. Are you ready? When Jesus comes in the cloud, how will you greet him? Will you be looking to the sky, proud of the life that you lived on earth? And all that you know, whether faithful or unfaithful, whether obedient or disobedient? Or how many of you, like so many others, if you found out Jesus was coming back tomorrow, would be terrified because you know that the life that you've lived in Christ up to this point is not what Jesus empowered us to. What I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. Jesus Christ called us to him. For those of us who responded, we are the chosen, the elect. He didn't save us for the purpose of salvation. For us. Sure, that was a benefit and a rather nice one. He saved us for the purpose of salvation to all. And to every person who's a believer in Jesus, he gave a gift. That gift may not be pastoring. It may not be Sunday schooling. It may not be being a deacon. It may not be working in children's ministry. It may not be working in the kitchen. It may be anything. But I promise you, there's absolutely no difference between someone who works in the kitchen and a preacher who stands in a pulpit. If we do what we do using our gift, then God is using the whole thing to lead people to him. Where are you in life? If you're not ready for Jesus Christ's return, if you're not ready to face the tribulations that Mark chapter 13 mentions, then it's time to take a really hard look at life Figure out what's not in its place and get it there. The Bible commands us to make the most of our opportunities. Are we? I believe, in most cases, folks, in the people's lives in the church in this country, the answer to that question is no, we're not. Step up, step out. Be who Jesus Christ asks you to be. The lost will come to know Christ as a result. Those who know him will know him more. And it provides us as an opportunity to make sure that everybody that we can is snatched from the fire and is ready for what's coming. Because I promise you, it's coming. If you're here today and you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, I can't extend that to you, but I'll certainly take whatever time is necessary to introduce you to the one who can. You may be here and have trusted in Jesus, but never followed through in believer's baptism, the first and greatest act of obedience. If you've trusted in Jesus at some point in your life and you need to make that decision public, make it I'll schedule for baptism. There is no greater joy in my life than filling that baptistry or walking or stepping off into a river for the purpose of baptizing someone. If you're here today and you're a believer, this life that Christ has called us into, it has its challenges and its struggles, but it is never ever. Given us an opportunity to sit down and take a break. We learn something. He wants to teach us something else. We master something. He wants us to master something else. That struggle doesn't stop as long as our lungs take breath. We will be sanctified as long as we live. We will go through that process, shaving a little bit of us off and putting a little bit of Christ on, We're encouraged to be people who every day of our lives are more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And I'm asking you today, have you been on the alert? Are you ready to see Jesus come in the clouds? Will you stand before him with your head up? Or if he came today, would you stand before him with your chin against your chest? Because you're ashamed. Of what you know that he's asked of you. That you have not fulfilled. That's the question. During this song. Spend time with Jesus. Listen to him. I yelled a little bit. He won't. He won't. The still a small voice. Listen for it. When he asks us to move, we ask for the strength to move. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, prayer requests, or just want to say hello, you can reach us at facebook.com forward slash BC. We hope that this message was encouraging to all of our listeners. Have a blessed week.